Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey guys, this is the first of two episodes that were recorded at this year's M3 Festival. Everything you're going to hear on this episode was recorded at M3 with the exception of the John Karabi interview. So stay tuned for that, and also a brand new interview with Warrant, Dangerous Toys, Mitch Malloy, and the band Station. Hey guys, this is John Karabi from the Dead Daisies, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Check it out. <laughs> you sounded like a pirate. I threw a little metal. Threw metal. a little English flair, pirate, talking. little pirate thing in there. This is Pat Carney from Station, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hello, this is Emmy Asta from Station, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Zach from Station, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hello, I'm Mark Gary, drummer from Dangerous Toys, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, I'm Mike Watson, bass player for Dangerous Toys, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Mitch Malloy, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, it's Robert Mason and Jerry Dixon from From Bad Warrant, and you're you're listening listening to to Talking Talking Metal. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. This is episode 667, which is the first of two episodes recorded at M3 2017 down in Columbia, Maryland. Wow, what a great, great event, M3. We were there for the Friday and Saturday performances. There's photos up from the event in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And wow, go to M3 next year, guys. What a great, great time it is. So on that note, please use our Amazon links. Show your support for Talking Metal before by using our Amazon links. Before you make your purchases, go to the website and just a link through to Amazon, and then you go about all your business as usual. We get a little kickback on that. Real easy, just one extra step. The other thing you can do is leave a PayPal donation. You know, we recently had our 666th episode. I was suggesting everybody leave a a donation of $6.66. That would be great. I'd really appreciate that. And the PayPal uh, tab is on TalkingMetal.com. It's my email. If you'd rather just go to PayPal, it's StriegelMark at gmail.com. The other thing you can do 
for us is come to Nashville on August 26th for the pod. No, it's the Rock and Pod Expo. Emily, my wife, will be there with me. John may be there too. Uh, it's going to be a great hang for a $75 GoFundMe donation, which you do on the official Rock and Pod Expo GoFundMe page. Uh, you can co-host an episode of Talking Metal. You'll pick all the music, the topics we talk about. You'll co-host it with Emily and myself, possibly John. We'll record it right there at the Expo on August 26th in Nashville, Tennessee. So the GoFundMe page for that is also up in today's show notes. To go to the show notes, you go to TalkingMetal.com, and then you go into the Talking Metal section, and you look for episode 667. That's what this is, and you'll see all this stuff up there. Yeah, and you'll also see a lot of pictures from M3. Um, definitely visit TalkingMetal.com. All right, that's enough. Here we go. This is the episode, the first of two, from the great M3 Festival in Columbia, Maryland. Definitely go next year, guys. I'm going back for sure. Here we go. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. And now, your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we are here at M3. The Talking Metal crew is here. Let's do a round of introductions so you know who you're hearing from. We're all doing interviews. Uh, yesterday was the first day of the festival. Today is the second day. I'm Mark Striegel, and of course we have with us co-founder John Astronomy here at M3. How are you, John? I am doing great, Mark. Yeah, what a, what a fun event. We had a great time yesterday. We were hanging out, watching bands, doing interviews. And today, man, we got an early start, like 11.30, 12 noon, and uh, already we're rocking. Cool. And Emily Striegel, you guys know her. She's here, too, doing interviews with us. Hi. I'm not one of the founding fathers, like John and Mark. I'm, the, I'm one of the founding mothers, like, in the background, but yeah. <laughs> but you've been doing stuff with us, and people love it, so I'm glad you're here. And we also have... Ian McCurdy, a guy who's hooked us up with numerous interviews and has been instrumental in our uh, access here at M3. Ian, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, and hello to the Talking Metal listeners out there. Thanks for tuning in. We've got some great stuff coming and great stuff we've already recorded, so uh, stay tuned. Absolutely, and I tell you what we're going to do right now. We're going to get into an interview that was conducted by Emily uh, just a little bit ago. Um, a guy who's not here at M3, his name's John Karabi. He's known for his work with Union, featuring Bruce Kulik. Remember Union, John? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember John and Bruce coming to 1515 Broadway right when Union first came out. I can't even remember what we were doing there, but they did come by. <laughs> and this is your second interview with John, right? Yeah, I got him in person at Webster Hall um, late last year with um, Doug Altridge. Nice, cool. Ian, any uh, John Karabi uh, stories? Oh yeah, he's a great singer in Motley Crue from 1994 and um, took Vince Neil's place. Uh, he's doing a lot of acoustic shows now around the southeast. He lives in Nashville, so he's doing great. He played guitar with Rad too briefly, right? He, he did, yes, right after he left Motley Crue. But the 1994 Motley Crue self-titled album is a great album. If you don't have it, I'm sure you can find it very easily. 
eBay or whatnot, but it's a great album. And uh, he's doing a lot of acoustic shows now as he's traveling around. So uh, he was here last year. It was great. Cool, cool. And on that note, one of, if I had to write out my top, this is going to sound crazy, my top 10 Motley Crue songs, one of them would be this song with John Crabby. It's called Hooligans Holiday. We're going to check it out right now. And I'm a massive Motley Crue fan, you know, and I love the, you know, the, the Vince, Tommy, uh, Nikki, uh, Mick lineup. But uh, this one song is definitely top 10 Motley Crue for me. This is John Karabi on lead vocals along with Mick Mars, Nikki Six, and Tommy Lee, Hooligans, Holiday, followed by Emily Striegel's interview with John Karabi.
through my interviews that you know chip sent me so um i've already done like four i've got about four more <laughs> so You're in the- i was just trying to get a little jump because sometimes they last a little longer than they should oh sure you know what i mean Absolutely. and i get i get behind so absolutely Interviews are so fun, aren't they? No, I'm just kidding. I'm being a little sarcastic. Well, you know, you know, it's just, it's just funny to me. Like, I, I got to be honest with you. Some of the questions that I get, <laughs> I'm just sitting there, like, okay, no pressure, you, no pressure for me. Obviously, <laughs> no, no, no. You obviously haven't done your any homework at all on right. this, and right, yeah, you know what I mean. Totally, like, just. It, they don't know anything, you know, yeah. whatever. So I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. Well, no I'm, I'm going to remind you that we've met before. We met at Webster Hall in New York City this past September. Okay. And I got a face-to-face with you and Doug, and I know it all runs together, but you've been on Talking Metal before, and I actually saw you guys face-to-face, and you guys rocked Webster Hall on a kind of a rare... You guys had shot a video that day or something, remember? You were in the city... Yes. Yeah. We actually shot the video um, for Make Some Noise for the live record. And then you guys did a show that night, which was off the hook. It was like dripping yeah. hot, sweaty, fun at Webster Hall. It was it was awesome. They usually are. They usually they, they are. Usually, it, you know what? It's it's and you, you can't help but go to New York City on a hot, humid day and have a show be hot and drippy inside. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Um, when I saw you last, you guys were coming off of a tour with Kiss, and and then you guys were going to be going, I think, and doing some solo dates on your own. You were going to do Monsters of Rock cruise, Kiss cruise. You were going to Japan. I was super jealous about that. So that's my summary of what you've been up to since September. But why don't you you give me your uh, cliff notes? I got to be honest with you. You pretty much covered it. <laughs> it <laughs> I got it. Was, it. Uh, it was definitely a whirlwind. Um, you know, that's one thing with this band. Like, once we get all the engines fired up, which we're going to do in about a month, um, you know, the record comes out May 19th. I think uh, 
right around that same time, we're going to be in New York rehearsing. Nice. And engines will start getting warmed up and primed and we'll get the oil changed. And then, um, and then we get on the road, man, and it's just like full steam ahead. So and this for the is rest, pretty much the rest of the year. Awesome. And this, of course, is the live record, correct? Yep. Live and louder. We live recorded, and louder. Uh, we recorded about five shows on our last European run. Okay. And um, this, is the, this is the product of it. So. And you, so that comes out in, that's coming out in May. And then you guys are going to do dates. You're doing the, the Dirty Dozen tour, but that's not until August. So what's, what happens in between May and August then? We are, we, we're, well, we're doing all the festivals in the UK. We're doing download and, nice. and then uh, we're going to Europe and we're doing, it's a combination of like, you know, some headline shows on our own and uh, festivals. And we're going to do all of Europe. Then we're going to Japan uh, from Europe, and we're doing half a dozen shows there. And then uh, from Japan, we come back to uh, South America, Then we're doing about a half a dozen shows there. And then we go back to Europe, and we do the Woodstock Festival, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're doing the Woodstock Peace Festival, and the um, we're headlining the one night, and we're playing with a sixty-five piece orchestra. So it's going to be oh wow, awesome! That's insane. How does that? How did that get yeah. hooked up? And how do you even rehearse for that? You have like one little. We're going to go over. We're going to go over and rehearse for a couple of days with the uh, with the um, the orchestra. So. We're going to record everything in New York, um, our set, and we're going to send it over to them. And then the uh, conductor will map everything out for the, uh, you know, and then they'll play along with us. It's going to, I'm really looking forward to that. That's crazy. So what songs are they going to do and who's arranging them for all the different instruments? I mean, that's mind boggling to me. We're doing, we're doing, they are doing all of our songs, the entire set is with an orchestra and then we're adding four songs that have something to do with a better world or peace or whatever. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So we're going to add some things to our set and we're going to go over there and knock this out of the park. Then we do America or North America. And, uh, and then I think we're going to come home, take a little break and then we're going to put our writing hats on and we're going to start working on our next record. It's just one nonstop just freight train with you guys. <laughs> I'm Always. like I'm in awe. I'm totally in awe. And, but go back to the Woodstock thing. I want to I'm I'm really curious about this orchestra thing. Are you guys are there other bands playing with your orchestra as well or is it just you guys? Just us. That's wild. I love that. That's amazing. I can't wait yeah, to see the, that. Yeah, it was weird. We played there last year. And the owner or the promoter of the festival just loved our band. And he talked about doing something really special with us, have us back and <clears throat> do something really special. And we're like, yeah, sure, man, that's cool. We'd love to. And um, so this is what we're going to do. 
That's super cool. How do you feel about all the festivals? I love festivals. As as a fan, I, I really dig the festivals. Um, how do you feel about it? You get you obviously probably get a shorter set, but maybe it's fun to see some of your friends. But then you're, you know, it's, I don't know if it's more chaotic for you guys or or more fun. It's a bit. Um, you know, m- most of these festivals depending on where you're playing, you don't really like a lot of times you don't get a sound check. It's just like, you just walk on stage and go right. And you're tweaking stuff as you go. And the other thing is too, like your set is usually shorter, you know, whatever, but you know, you make the best of it. Uh, like, um, you know, it's like you're at the mercy of the, it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, there's some negatives to it, and I don't want to say negatives, but there's some things that you're, you know, always leery about. Like I said, the sound check thing. And yeah. You never know how the monitors are going to be until you really get out there and start playing. Right. <laughs> and then uh, you're you're at the mercy of the weather and, and just like all these things. And, um, you know, what? depending on what your status is, like some some festivals, we play way late in the day. And then other festivals were very early in the day. So for me, being the singer, that tends to be a little difficult too, because then like for me to really be comfortable on stage, um, you know, if the band is playing at, you know, noon or one o'clock, um, then I have to, I have to get up up. a little earlier. Yeah. I got to get up earlier and make sure my vocal cords are awake and kick in and doing everything they're supposed to be doing. So yeah, it's but I, I, I love doing them, man. It, at the same time, I love doing them. I, uh, there, I, there's some, some sort of thing about me. You know, my wife always says, you know, you're always the guy that's like, you can't stand the sight of blood, but you're the first one trying to get up there and see what happened in the accident. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I like that. So, what is, so what is your routine for, how long does it take you to warm up? You have like a crazy register. You have such a huge range. So... I'm curious, like, I don't really though. That's it's, it's, really? I, I, maybe I do. I don't really feel like I do because it, oddly enough, when I was younger, um, in the scream, I, I think I, I actually, I actually lost like probably six or seven notes on the top of my thing, you know, um, Did you? and they just disappeared uh, and never yeah, came like, back. You know, I, I'm sure there's some sort of an exercise. I mean, I've never really kind of taken crazy lessons or anything like that. So yeah. I don't know, but I'm sure there's some sort of an exercise or something that I could do that might bring it back. But I had way more, my, my voice had more, um, my voice had way more top end in it when I was younger, like in the scream. If you listen to the scream record. Right. Yeah. I'm hitting some notes on there that I couldn't, there's in a million years I couldn't hit right now. So, well, it's all part of uh, our voices change through the years, right? I guess our vocal cords stretch out. Every, everything well, stretches they stretch out. And, <laughs> you know, I did, I did see, I did talk one time to a vocal instructor and, and I was worried about it. And, and he goes, he goes, how old were you when you were in the scream? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I told him and he goes, how old are you now? And I go, 
you know, I told him. You told him you, tw- you, okay, you were 25. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, but he, he, he said to me, he goes, you got to remember something. He goes, the voice is organic. Yeah. It's an organic thing. And, sure. he, and he put it, he put it in a way where he goes, you got to remember, it's like a piece of wood. Think of it that way. And he goes, as wood gets older, it starts to, uh, it starts to wither and it gets weathered and, and he goes, it'll eventually get dry and, and start cracking. And, and he goes, the voice is no different. Yeah. But you know what you're saying, you're saying all this, but this is crazy because you have such a rich voice and such a great tone. Like you, you've got a, a, a fantastic, I would never in a million years say that your voice is withering like a piece of wood. (laughs) <laughs> well, not, not, not withering, but it's, it's weird. Like I used to, you know, when, when I think about when I was, you know, 20, 22, 25 years old, I used to play in a club circuit back in New Jersey. And I, I played five nights a week, four nights a set, four sets a night. Oh my God. And each set was like 40 minutes to an hour. That's insane. So I sang five nights a week, five hours a night. And, you know, and I'm talking about stuff like Zeppelin, Aerosmith. I was doing Dio and then turn around and I could sing Barracuda by heart. Oh my God. And like all this stuff. And, you know, and, and it's weird. I don't know if it's because I was just doing it all the time. Yeah. I don't know if it was that. I don't know if I, you know, whatever. But, you know, I used to smoke, smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. I drank, you know, cold Diet Cokes on stage. And everybody's like, oh, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. I'm like, I don't know if it's wrong or not, but it's working. It's working. It works for me. I'm doing five hours and, of embarrassment. Ronnie James Dio. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it was crazy. Like, you know, everybody, you know, I'd be sitting there doing Aerosmith and they were like, oh, he's doing Dream of and hit no is it gonna hit this? Yeah, you know. And That's now it, I mean, yeah, I could hit the note, you know, but now we do, you know, ninety minutes four nights a week, five nights a week, and I'm at the end of the week, I'm like <clears throat> Yeah <clears throat> Don't talk to me. Don't you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just it's just weird. You you just kinda, you know, I don't say you wear out, but, yeah. and, but you know what? It's funny in the beginning of the, like the, I'll go to rehearsal with the band. I'll rehearse for a couple days and two days in rehearsal, my throat will be sore. I'll be cranky. I'll be, you know, crabby babying myself and all this other stuff. And then two weeks into the tour, we'll, we'll be doing five or six shows in a row and it won't be, and it'll be no big deal. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it might be something that thing too. The more you do it, the more, you know, the stronger you get. Absolutely. But, I mean, you should know you've been doing this a long time. What about right? So right now, are you? Or, in the- or for the shorter answer, or for the shorter <laughs> answer, yes. <laughs> That's the cliff note version. Yes. Yeah. The quick. Uh, just yes. <laughs> Oh, are you in the midst of an acoustic tour right now? Did I read about, are you doing something right right now with acoustic dates? I just 
finished like three days ago, four days ago. And, and what? How does that compare? Like to do you do you dig that? Do you like taking it down a notch for some dates and doing something a little different? It's cool. It's fun. You know, it's just another thing that I enjoy doing. Um, you know, I go out and I play like a ninety-minute set, and I sit down and. And I do songs like uh, some Scream stuff, and I do Motley and Union and new stuff. And then I tell stories, and I'll do a couple covers. And and it's cool. It's fun. It's just me and an acoustic guitar and my just, my, uh, you know, like I said, stories. And, cool. I, I you would... know, it's, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a cross between a concert, storytellers, and a comedy show, That's a- but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I can imagine the comedy part. Last time I interviewed you, you actually said you were looking forward to going home and seeing your wife and um, doing something with your dog and peanut butter. That's all I will say. So I was like, this, guy, uh, this guy's funny. So I could see the, the comedy part of that coming through. My dog doesn't it, find the humor in that I at all. <laughs> If anyone wants to know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to my interview uh, with John from yeah. September. As soon as um, I say the words, I can't even say it. I got to spell it out so my dog doesn't freak out. Cause he's gonna, <laughs> they're both going to be like, they're going to run into another room. It's like, no, and I don't find it as a beauty. It's not, it's not. PETA got nothing on me because I'm feeding them. That's all that matters. Oh I'm feeding God. them. Not abusing them. Oh not making God. them do anything they don't want to do. I'm feeding them. <laughs> That's hysterical. Now, you mentioned Union. And whenever you mention Union, I think about Bruce Kulick of Kiss fame. Do you guys ever talk anymore? I Mm -hmm. mean, are you guys still friendly? Just kind of had a little email exchange with Bruce the other day. He was at a Kiss convention. And uh, the guy guy that was running a convention had asked me to come in and maybe do a couple of Union songs for Bruce. And and I unfortunately couldn't do it. I had a wedding to go to. And uh, I was tired. I just got back like I said, from doing this acoustic thing, I did about a month and I was literally doing like, I did like six shows in a row, one day off. And, and then I was, you know, I was just me and by myself. So I was cruising around in a little van and like, you know, I did all my, you know, like, like I said, a month. So when I got home, I was pretty burnt. I bet. I bet, but it's good yeah. to hear, hear, hear good to hear you guys uh, still chat every once in a while, and the whole yeah I know we you, talk yeah it's you sound like good. you have pretty good relationship. What about Mick Mars? Of course, I know you were working on some stuff with him for a while. Did that kind of is he still working on? I mean, I haven't heard anything from his end. Like, what's happening with that? Do yeah, you, it's you know, you know I, I did the two songs with him. And, you know, we were talking about possibly doing more, but I, 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 my biggest concern with the Mick thing was biting off more than I could chew and not being able to, you know, at least with the daisies, like I can focus totally on the daisies when I'm with the daisies. Right. And then when I'm off from that, I can focus totally on my solo thing. And so I kind of, I kind of feel like I can give each one a hundred percent when I'm working on them. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And if I add more to the mix, like I, the scheduling was just going to be a nightmare. It's already a nightmare with just the two things that I'm doing. Absolutely. So 
I told Mick, like, for him, this is his first solo record that he's ever done. It's, I think it's got to be brilliant. And, um, and I think it will be, you know, he, I just, um, I, I was just like, I, I didn't want to hold him up and I didn't want to do something half asset. Exactly. I wanted yeah. to, I hear you give it everything. And you I just can't. don't know you if can't. I'm going to have the time yeah. for it right now. Oh yeah. My God. I'm looking, I'm looking at your schedule and I'm having a panic attack. So <laughs> do you have a little time off now? Don't do that. <laughs> do you have some time off now before the, the live album comes out? I want to talk a little bit more about the live album. When in May is it coming out? And are you, is it done? May 19th? May 19th. Are you done? Or are they, I don't even know how you, do you like mix a live album? I'm sure you do. But um, are you it's involved been in the process? Done. We, we recorded the album recorded the album on the last tour when we were in Europe and um, and then our friend Anthony Fox came in. Anthony actually kind of helped Marty mix the Make Some Noise record and then uh, we contacted Anthony about mixing the live album as well and like, Anthony's just, it, he's it's like we kind of gave him like, okay, guitars up a little, little bit here, drums, you know, whatever. But he did a great job. You know, and it's not like he's he's like the rain he's like Rain Man behind the board. Yeah. Like that guy is just so <laughs> anal about every every little yeah every little thing. And she's great producer, um, you know, great engineer, and so he did a, he did an awesome job. So it's been done for a while. And then, you know, obviously then there's the artwork and then there's this couple months of, uh, you know, the promo stuff, which I've been kind of doing now for a little while. Like even when I was on the acoustic thing, I was doing interviews during the day at the hotel. So, um, you working it, we'll do this right up until, uh, I, I leave here. I live in Nashville, so I'll leave here and fly to New York. And I will start rehearsing in New York on the 25th, I think. So we'll rehearse there for about a week. And then we will literally fly right from there, right over to Europe. Why do you rehearse in New York? I remember you guys did that last time. Um, it's just kind of uh, David, our guitar player. He's got a house there or a place there. Nice. Um, okay he's got a place there and he's got a place in Sydney. So is Doug, um, is Doug, out? no, it, Doug is Doug in LA. You guys are spread all over. Doug's, all the guys live in LA except for David. David lives in New York and Sydney. And I live here in Nashville and all the rest of the guys are in, uh, um, LA. I was actually watching, this is kind of random, but I was watching, uh, some, I love Dio. I watch a lot of Dio. So I was watching a concert of his from two, 2002 and who, who pops up as the guitarist, but you're, Doug. you're <laughs> I know it's kind of cool. It was kind of cool. Yeah, Doug, Doug was with, um, he's awesome. He's sick. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's amazing. And he's just like the coolest, most down to earth guy. Like how lucky are you? How lucky is he to have you? Cause you're both down to earth, but I mean, you guys are both really Extremely well, if you're lucky. asking me, he's lucky to have me. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, but you, you guys are both just like insanely talented, but like nicest guys in the world. I mean, I can say because I've met you both 
Webster, at Webster Hall last year. So it's that's yeah. awesome. I mean, he has such a great, you know, resume, I guess, you know, long resume with a lot yeah, of Yeah, different- he did White Snake, he did Dio, um, he's doing that show out in Vegas he does. Um, it's called uh, Rock the Vault or The Vault or something like that. He does that. And Is that a guitarist thing? Stuff. Is that like a, one of, a guitarist uh, thing or no? No, it's no. it's literally like a bunch of rock stars and they kind of do classic rock stuff from yeah. the beginning all the way up till now. You know what I mean? Oh, that's it's, fun. It's, it's, it's a great show. It's been, I guess it's been at the Hilton and now it's at the Hard Rock. And so it's, it's pretty cool. And when you guys start uh, writing... When you're done with all the touring and stuff and you're back and you're ready to write, how does that process work since you guys are so spread out? Well, we all do the same thing. We'll get together again. Once we do this tour, um, you know, we'll go home, hang out with our families for a little bit and clear our heads. And then we'll head to New York and then we will, we'll put the writing hats on and we'll just kind of start throwing ideas on the table at each other. And the ones that everybody gravitates towards are the ones that we'll do and we'll start working on them and get them together. And, but I like, um, I like hearing that you guys actually get together, you know, and, and do some of it. And it's not just totally everyone is doing this remotely. You know, obviously people are going to go no, off on their I, own. It, it, yeah. I, I've done, this will be the third studio record I've done with these guys. And I can tell you now that we, we get together in one room and it's old school. We Love get it. together with a bunch of acoustic guitars and drums and, and just ideas. And we just start bashing shit out. And, That's and, awesome. Yeah. And we put it together. And then once we got it to a point where we think it's reasonably close then we go to the studio and we're like, Marty, what do you think? Boom. He, oh, yep. Let's, okay, but let's take this part and switch it. And blah, 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 blah. And then we lay it down, track it. And while they're tracking, I'm still working on the melodies. And I still work on the melodies. And then, and then once, you know, they get like the bass and the drums down, I take the stuff into another room and I just kind of work on, I work on it until I got it right. And then I start working on lyrics and I bring things to the guys and to Marty and we just do our thing. So what's it's, harder? it's very organic, very old school. I love hearing that. And it's all together because we're feeding off of each other. And it works because it worked on Make Some Noise, which of course was great. And if our listeners don't have it, it came out 2016. I mean, it was just the end of kind of towards the end of last year, I guess. Right. Summertime last year. And um and that yeah, had, uh, actually came out around the same time as this one, like May, June, something like that. Was it like springtime? Yeah, it's great. If if if, yeah. if, if you guys haven't picked it up, pick it up. And it's obviously what you, whatever you guys are doing is working for you from from a, a writing perspective. And we're looking forward to the live album. I love a good live album. I'm I'm the one who I'm, I'm like a big fan of uh, of live records. So I'm looking forward to that one as well. Everyone, pick it up May nineteenth. You said. Yep, May 19th. It's called Live and Louder. Dead Daisies, Live and Louder. Yep. What's the best place to follow you on Twitter, Facebook? Where can people get all your dates? Of course, they can follow Dead Daisies. Oh, my God. It, it, it's honestly, we have the best PR 
social media team ever. It's just like if you just type in the dead babies <laughs> on a computer anywhere, it comes something up. is bound to pop up. But we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. <laughs> um, you know, it's crazy. All right. It's, we're all over the place. You heard it here, everyone. So we're looking forward to checking you out. Um this this summer and um and maybe hearing some some new music uh in 2000 and actually we are going to just for the record we are bringing the make some noise tour to america and we are doing a show in new york city and i believe in uh asbury park as well so, I did. I saw this, and you're calling check you, it. Out. You're calling it the Dirty Dozen, which is so it's like twelve shows, right? North America, twelve shows in August. North, yeah, twelve shows. Yep, and um, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. We got a band called The Dives out with us, and it's Paul Stanley's son Evan on guitar and vocals, and and they're a great, great pop rock band. And um, we met them on the boat last year on the Kiss Cruise. Oh, nice. And, uh, okay. You know, so it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It'll be it'll be awesome. Well, you guys always put on a great so. live show. So I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'll definitely come check you out. Either, man, Asbury Park's a fun place to see a show. So if I don't see you in the city, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you down down the shore, as they say. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, is it? I I never heard of this place, but it, it's like. Independence Hall or something like that, or yeah, I think that's a little bigger venue great? than the Pony. I think it's a bigger venue than the Stone Pony, but I haven't seen anything. The only venue I've, I've, I've seen a number of shows at the Stone Pony. I've seen like Ace Fraley there, and I saw the Darkness there, um, but I have never been to Independence Hall. But I've definitely seen shows happening there. I feel like it's a little bit bigger. And I know there. I was really looking for when I saw Asbury Park. I was like, oh my god, I hope it's Stone Pony. <laughs> I was born and raised in Philadelphia and never played there. Really? That's I did CBGBs. I actually did CBGBs twice. So I've done that, done the whiskey. That's all good. You know, there's certain clubs around the United States that are just like landmark yeah. clubs. Yes. Yeah. And, the Pony's and Stone, the best. The Stone is one of them. Do you have memories of like seeing people at the Pony when you were growing up? Like, would you come up from Philly? I never, no, I was never there. You were just like, never there. When yeah. I say I was never there, I just never <laughs> went there. But I knew, yeah. like, I knew, like, all the, all, it was weird, like, because I was in Southern Jersey, so we, yeah. like, all our stuff was, I think the farthest north I ever got was um, probably a place called the Satellite Lounge in, like, Fort, like near Fort Dix, McGuire Air Force Base. Okay. But I never did that whole thing. That Asbury Park was always kind of the New York scene, part of the New York club band, like Twisted Sister, White yeah. Tiger, yeah. like all those bands from back in the day, they played there. Bruce Springsteen, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but we never really got up there. Wait, so are you, I was are really you, looking forward a, to that one. Is there a White Tiger or is it White Lion you're talking about? No, no, no. There, I'm know. talking. I, this was. You're talking this way was back. Sometimes because <laughs> white, was, white was line about, is Jersey too. They were around, right? Or they white, were right around. Yeah. They were right around the crucifixion of Christ. They came out, uh, <laughs> you know. But, um, which, by the way, I was a waiter at the Last Supper, so I remember this. But anyway, um, well, they, I no, there. I know there was a white lion, but there used to be a band in North Jersey, New York area called White Tiger as well. 
Well, um, I'm not. You know, I'm not from. Jersey. I just remember seeing all those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. I should know it. I should know it, but I don't. I was more into because White Line. I, I think White Line's actually from Staten Island, but they also had kind of the Jersey. A couple guys from Jersey too, I think. But I wonder what they're yeah. up to now. Mike Tramp and the crew. Man, but anyway, we're going. Uh, you you need to check out. So even if you, even if you are playing Independence Hall, at least just hop over to the pony and, and peek in because it's it's definitely worth seeing it's <laughs> well maybe somebody maybe one of what maybe somebody one of one of your listeners or followers maybe somebody will feel sympathetic for me and just bring me like just a really cool large stone <laughs> pony t-shirt oh you got it i'll bring it to you dude i'm bringing you we'll a stone call pony. it a day okay we're set this is <laughs> that's a done deal dude yeah that's awesome well that was easy <laughs> <laughs> you totally fell for that one i did she fell for it every she falls for it every time anyway john it's a pleasure talking with you you're you're always such a blast and so laid back and cool to talk to can't wait to see what's what you guys uh have up your sleeves good luck with your uh next fourteen thousand interviews you have today I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with Talking Metal. Anyway, dude, thank you so much. Have an awesome night. Tell those doggies I said hi. Don't say the, the bad right, word. Love. All right. Ciao. No, I already did. I, I slipped <laughs> you, and said it, and they, they you, let themselves out. You, so. you scared them away. <laughs> Enjoy. Much. Enjoy. Get some rest, okay? All right, darling. I'll you too. Soon. Have a good night, okay? Bye-bye. Everybody sing it out of your chair. Let me hear you sound. Put your hands in the air.
Okay, what you just heard was a little Dead Daisies here on Talking Metal. And we are right now going to get into a little Dangerous Toys. This is Scared. John and I did an interview yesterday with Mark and Mike from Dangerous Toys. Yeah, those guys are really cool. They're from the Texas area. And uh, it was just great to to talk to them about their, their rise to fame. All right, cool. Little Dangerous Toys here on Talking Metal. Hey guys, John Astronomy here. We are backstage at the M3 Festival in Columbia, Maryland, hanging out with Mark and Mike from Dangerous Toys. These guys just played a great set, and we are psyched to have you on Talking Metal. Yeah, really impressive set. Really brought me back to the days of my youth. And, you know, it it made me wonder, is there any ever discussion amongst you guys about doing new music because it's been quite a while right i mean would would dangerous toys be interested in releasing a new cd or album well we we always kind of kick the idea around but we just never get around to it we're kind of uh we just kind of uh busy doing stuff and we never really get around to doing it we've thrown some riffs around and recorded some stuff but we really never get us all in one room and start doing that all at one time, I guess. It's kind of that kind of way. We're, uh, in, we don't know what format we're going to do it in. If we do it, maybe we'll just make two or three songs and do, it, do them on iTunes. Right. Or, you know, we don't want to 
try to go for a whole album maybe at once. I don't know. We're, it, it's, well, I'm not going to say no. That's what I'm saying. Well, very cool. Uh, definitely. We are ex excited uh, to hear that news and psyched to hear any amount of songs. Just a little aside, I don't know if any of you guys heard, but uh, there are some artists who are doing that now. John Mayer, um, different style of music. He is doing a record, but he's only doing four songs at a time. And he, he, he feels that right now in today's day and age, you know, people's attention spans are so short that he thinks that if you just do four songs, then maybe you wait like six months or a year and then put out the other four songs and then four more songs that might be able to keep people's attention a little bit more so that's a good idea i think what you guys have and you mentioned that other stuff keeps you busy what what stuff keeps you guys busy when you're not busy with dangerous toys um life life <laughs> what what is life about? uh well i mean you know we we have other stuff that we do like you know real jobs right kind of you know i I work designing apartments for an architecture company, you know, and uh, Mark, you want to say what you do? I'm in the festival business. I, I uh, am a production manager at a backline company, one of the biggest in America, and we do big festivals like this, and I'm the, I kind of lead the way when I'm not doing this on other festivals. So I'm still in the business, and I uh, kind of stayed in. That's kind of what I do. So, uh, we, yeah, we, it's just part of what we do. It's kind of fun. Now, how many shows do you guys do a year as Dangerous Toys? Well, as many as people ask us. We're wide open. We don't, we don't say, oh, we'll only do these many. So we, we do mostly festivals. We're about to do Mousers of Rock uh, again on the cruise. We do, we've been on, like, this will be our fourth one. We'll be on that in February. We do as many as people will ask us to do. We're, we're, we're ambitious that way, but, uh, you know, we, we only get out for shows where Mostly we fly to shows. That's what I was going to say. Do you guys, like, fly in for a couple of dates uh, mostly? And the answer would be yes. Or do you sometimes do, like, a, a tour where you get on a bus and you go from place no, to place? No, no, we, we're done with buses. <laughs> no, we, we just do... Um, we tour up enough buses. We, yeah, we <laughs> no, we don't, uh, you know, I mean, we have, like I said, we have other jobs we do. and They're cool about letting us off and stuff, but, you know, we... we don't want to go out for a month or something and just go date to date to date. We like doing these maybe, you know, two or three shows at a time and uh, weekend warrior it, you know, just come out and fly out and do these and go home, you know. Totally it's it's kind of more efficient, actually. Yeah, we follow a lot of these bands around. The bands you see us playing with today, we wind up with these bands all the time. Faster Pussycat, Winger. All these bands kind of play together now. You know, we we all do the same kind of a circuit. We tomorrow we'll be in Long Island, playing out there at a at a little club. So we do wherever people. Facebook brings us together with a lot of people that we never meet. You know, Facebook's the new way in the social media. So we get around that way, and uh, we go anywhere people will have us. We're kind of we're still out there doing as many shows as we can. When you look back over the the career that you've had with Dangerous Toys, what are some of the highlights? <laughs> well, there's so many. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are a lot. I was looking through my pictures the other day. I have a big box of pictures from all that stuff, and I was showing my girlfriend, so yeah, you know, look at this shit. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many. The Touring with Judas Priest and Alice Cooper was a great one. Touring with the cult, right? you know, was a great uh, thing. Um, Going to uh, overseas, we did like three weeks overseas or in 
Europe and, and uh, the United Kingdom with Faster Pussycat. Yeah. You know, years and years ago. Um, man, there's so many. I can't narrow it down into one thing. That's a real yeah, hard we've question. We've a really yeah. nice ride. We've been in, in the big arenas. We did a lot of arenas stuff. We didn't do whole, a whole lot of club stuff back in the day because we were always on these arena shows with, with like, say, Priest and Cult and, you know. So we had a great, great ride, and we're very uh, fortunate to have that. We didn't do a whole lot of club touring back then because we were on the big shows. Like on our second record, Hellacious Acres came out. We went straight to arenas right off the bat when that came out. So we, we were really lucky and sold a lot of records and we were just kind of, there's so many memories, you can't, you gotta recall them. Somebody has to jog your memory to remember what they were. Well, but well how about that, that record you just mentioned, Hellacious Acres? Yeah. Any, any memories of that record, recording it or coming together or where you guys were, just your frame of mind at that time? Uh, Roy Thomas Baker, yeah. if you're familiar with him, produced all the Queen and the Journey and everything from the old days. We talked a lot about the uh, Queen records and stuff with him, and uh, we were lucky to have a guy like that uh, produce that record. And uh, we did it in L.A. We did both of our records in L.A. while we were living there. And uh, we, we, we'd go out from Austin and go out there and record these records. So it was a gas staying in L.A. and living the nightlife and doing that stuff. So a ton of fun doing that stuff. You couldn't even imagine. <laughs> and, and you lived in L.A. for a while? Just while we made those records. Just when you made the records. About three months back then. Okay. Records are now made on Pro Tools, and you go in there and you cut and splice and do everything quickly. These were done the old way. We, we'd stayed in there for three months. We lived in uh, Hollywood, and uh, we kind of lived the lifestyle a little bit. We had fun with it. You know, just kind of, <laughs> you know, everybody did back then. So we met a lot of guys and had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because um, we, when we were doing that album, the record company gave us a video camera. And they're like, oh, we'll record all the stuff you did, and maybe we'll make a, you know, the making of. And uh, I just watched the footage that we had the other day. Of course, they didn't make a video of it because it was so horrible. Right. I mean, they they literally gave a camera to a bunch of monkeys and said, here, <laughs> record yourselves, you know. And it was horrible, but it's fun to look back on it because we had a, we were it was all just inside jokes and blah 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 the whole time. But, you know, we just said, you know, we had fun just hanging out as, as a band, you know, in, in L.A. and stuff. And recording that album was a lot of fun. Now, I think it's a, a really cool thing. And our listeners, this is something that they, they probably didn't know could happen. It, it, and it's what you guys were talking about, how you, you went out to L.A., you lived there while you were recording the records. But instead of doing what a lot of these bands will do and play like these endless club tours... You, and maybe it was because of MTV and some of the, just how everything kind of clicked at the right time, but you guys went directly on arena tours supporting major super groups like Judas Priest and, and, and like you were talking about the cult and all these bands. So that's an interesting thing. When you guys first started, was, was there a time where you were maybe playing local clubs or how did you end up in LA with the record deal? Yeah making the real records well in austin texas where we're from we played this club called the back room pretty much exclusively and um we got signed out of that club at a south by southwest which is now a huge deal right back then it was like nothing you know it's like we were the first band ever yeah we, 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 we were, were the first band to be signed at south by Southwest. that is amazing that is really that. cool they still talk about that but we were only together with jason for six months yeah, when Columbia came. watched our before he and, right, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. And uh, we were together like six months, and uh, Columbia uh, got to bidding. There was a bidding war. Uh, somebody came and saw us playing South by. There was about 
10 people in the club and some people said they wanted to sign us. We kind of didn't believe them because we were just local guys having fun, writing songs. We had this core of songs already on the first record. We went wow. in with seven of those songs in the studio when we started out. So uh, we were kind of surprised and uh, we got really lucky, as someone would say. But we had also been playing that club for a long time yeah. and we had a okay. huge following in Austin. And in the local, like San Antonio and Dallas and stuff like that, we yep. we had a pretty good following. And so we did. We paid our dues in the club. Believe me, we, okay. We were doing that shit, and we, you know, we but we weren't looking to get signed. Wow. We were just playing, just to fucking play, you know, just to like drink beer and you know, <laughs> fucking look at girls right. and a lot you know, of all that kind of. Songs on that first record were about ourselves and what we were doing, sporting a Woody. If you listen to the, those words. Those are true words about what we were doing at night and what we were doing uh, going home. And uh, so we, we were just having fun. That's, uh, Mike's right about that. We, we, we didn't have a, we weren't thinking, oh, we're going to get signed and we're going to go on these big tours. And somebody just came along and said, wow, that is cool. I love what you're doing. And we got, so that was just a kind of a luck of the draw. Sporting Sportin a Woody, a song you played today that, of course, went over great. We love hearing those old classics. But, but Mike, you know, uh, that that was a different era back then where music is, uh, there's a lot of different sounds and different styles of hard rock and heavy metal metal i see your gojira shirt are you right. are you are you uh well versed on what's currently like what's going on on the cutting edge i, I mean how tuned into new music are you i well some of it i mean i love gojira i love all the you know the whole gent thing and you know i mean mashuga and Cool. I mean, I'm a metalhead. I, right. I came to Austin. I wrote into Austin saying, I'm going to start a metal band. You know, and but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I listened to some new stuff and my girlfriend has turned me on to new stuff. And, cool. You know, but um, I don't know. I'm, I, I really do like, this Gojira shirt is not because it looks good. Right. I love Gojira. Cool. <laughs> cool. And, you know, uh, this is kind of a random question, but we men you mentioned or I mentioned Watchtower and how Jason had been in Watchtower. Do you guys know Alan Tecchio? He replaced... Uh, He'll be at our gig tomorrow night. Oh, really? Okay, because he's a good, close friend Alan of ours. Alan Tecchio is already on the guest list. Great friend. Yeah, really likewise. Really cool, well-respected. Uh, he took Jason's place in Watchtower. So the one thing about us, we're all kind of from the same town, and we grew up together. We're all still the same guys and the same friends that we always were. So, uh, yeah, we still have the same buddies. Al Tecchio, yes. Yeah, well, he's, he lives night. not far from John and I in New Jersey. We're close friends. Tell him we said hello. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah. do it. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right, guys, thanks so much for taking uh, this time to talk with Talking Metal, and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you all so much for talking to us. Yeah, thanks, man. Cool. Thanks, guys.
What you just heard was a little Dangerous Toys here on Talking Metal. And up next, we have an interview with Mitch Malloy. This is Mark Striegel. Hey, Mitch, how are you? Hey, Mark. I'm great. Great set today at M3. Thanks, man. How'd it feel? I feel fantastic. I, uh, I, I was super excited to play this show. It's been on the books for a long time, right. many, many months. And, uh, you know, it finally came. I mean, this was, for me, this is like Disneyland. And this is like my Super Bowl, this yeah. show. This is the biggest show I've done in a long time, probably since Leno. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I was blown away because before we started the interview, you were just telling me about the band. You'd never played with these guys before, except for a one rehearsal, right? Yeah. We rehearsed for three hours at my house wow. on Thursday. Wow. Where's your house? Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I have a studio in my house. So uh, I sort of rearranged the studio uh, to become a rehearsal studio every time I do this. And it seems like every time I do it, I have a new band. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, I have a large pool of musicians to access there in Nashville and beyond. I mean, I, I, not to drop names, but Joel Hoekstra was actually supposed to do this show with me wow, okay. from Whitesnake. Yeah, sure. And he doesn't live in Nashville. So, you know, I have access to all these guys and Joel couldn't do it because his share rehearsal got bumped up by one day. Wow. Okay. So he was supposed to be able to do it and fly out and start rehearsal with share tomorrow. But she decided she wanted to start rehearsal today. Thanks a lot, Cher. <laughs> so so what, what do I do? I have a large pool of players, and so I just picked Josh Dutois, who's fantastic, Nashville right. guy. And um, he said yes, and, and Peter Baltus approached me years ago and said, I would love to work with you. And I was like, are you a comedian? Right. You're not joking? Seriously? He's like, no, I want to work. I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> and then I went over to his studio and he played me a bunch of stuff that he does, which is so far beyond accept. I could not believe yeah. it. Like he kills it and accept. I mean, that's right, his, sure. it's his, his We're talking about span. the bassist of accept. Yeah, yeah, Peter Baltus, he's one of the founders of that. He wrote Balls to the Wall. With, you know, with played with Don Dockin, I think. Played with Don Dockin yeah. and he's just a monster musician, super yeah. versatile. But you know, you don't know that. You only yeah. know that he's the guy from accept. Sure. Unless you... Unless he takes you down his musical journey, which is vast and impressive. Right. Um, and so when I heard that, I was like, wow, okay, yeah, this guy could definitely, not only will he crush my heavy songs, but he could play anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Good score, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his idea. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. score is the right word, yeah. Let's, t- let's talk about what's going on with you now. Uh, musically, you had a record, I guess, was it over, but... Uh, it's a pretty ago? new record. Yeah, it's called making, making, less than a year ago. Making Noise, yeah, yeah. It's a relatively new record. Um, I took a different approach with it, with this record. I had this crazy idea to make a record completely 100% by myself. From the writing of the songs to the mastering of the record, everything in between. Um, and it was the most fun I ever had. Cool. <laughs> Not to diss, you know. Phil Collin or anybody who's played on my past records, but I mean, cause they're all, they've all been fantastic, but it was just so much fun to just make this whole creation by myself. It was, 
It was like a mad scientist in the studio. It was, it was a blast. Well, I, lo- I love the video for, for my therapy oh, cool. that you shot. Cool. Thanks. And where was that shot? That church is so cool. That, yeah. The visuals, yeah. I mean, just let's amazing. Ju- let's just say that I green screened that. And really? Leave it at, leave it at that. <laughs> okay. All right. Because <laughs> I may or may not have had permission right. to shoot okay. that church. Okay. Green screen. Just saying, it. yeah, it was yeah. a green screen. Okay. That's what it was. Fair enough. And where was it? I don't remember where that church was. So you also do a lot of work with your studio. And can you tell us a little bit about where the studio is and what it's all about? The studio is in my my home. I, I've Malloy Master Tracks? Yeah, Malloy Master Tracks. And I was sort of um, you know, ahead of the pack. I, you know, I, and I don't say that in an egotistical way. It's just a fact. I, right. I had my I had a studio when I was 19. I had my first studio. Nice. And then when I signed to RCA... They said, okay, we have a $20,000 demo budget. And I said, fantastic. Here's the account to put that money in. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I'll handle it. Don't worry. And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I might want to, you know, just make it in my own studio. Is that okay? And they were like, yeah, I guess that's okay. So I took that 20 grand and invested it in to my studio. Nice. Yeah. Smart investment. Yeah. yeah. So, cause I knew that that's where my future was headed anyway. Right. And so that was really the big, you know, kind of boost to my studio. And then with technology changing all the time, it's, you know, always changing. Things are changing. It's very, um, state of the art. I, I think you could say my studio, um, some big names have gone through there, right? There's oh, been work on like Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift, Kenny uh, Loggins. Kenny, yeah, Lady Antebellum. Uh, wow. Craig Morgan, who's a big country artist, had a bunch of top 10 hits. Um, what did Taylor Swift record at your studio? What? what yeah, Vocal. well, like, vocals. Wow. Yeah, Whoa. yeah well, That's actually, major. I actually co produced a, a single that she was on. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so I did tracking there. And I mixed the whole thing and mastered it. Right. Well, was yeah. she easy to work with? She's delightful. Right. Uh, the, she is uh, amazing. There's a reason that she's Taylor Swift. Right. She's, she has a, a social gift like you've rarely seen. Wow. I mean, she, when I met her, she reached out and she said, you have my hair and grabbed my hair. Wow. I said, actually, no, you have mine. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing that about your about about your history that that is uh, you know I think it was probably a very brief part of your history, but it's it's so interesting is is your work with Van Halen, the Van Halen. Can we can we talk a little bit, bit about that? And can you tell me what what your involvement with that band was? I, I'm tempted to ask you a question, but I'm not going to. The question would be, <laughs> why are you hesitant to ask me about Van Halen? Because everybody is right. do i look like an asshole well <laughs> I, I don't want i don't want listen i, I want that that little I bit of 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 your past to overshadow everything else you're doing because it's that, so that, respectful that, oh, okay. that's what it is you guys are just being so respectful and that is really above and beyond because i don't i mean i appreciate you being respectful but van halen is van halen and and it's worthy of talking about to everyone cool. all the time, every time. Awesome. And yeah, I mean, it's major, right? So yeah. that's my response. Yeah, let's go. I, I don't really know what your involvement was. Uh, can you talk a little bit about okay. when this happened okay. and, and what you were doing with the Van Halen guys? Okay, well, the first thing I'd like to do is, is uh, give a shout out 
to Burger Video, which is a company that does documentaries, and they did a beautiful documentary about it. They pounded me about it for 10 years to do it. I said no for 10 years because I did not want to be known as the guy who didn't sing for Van Halen. Right. Right? Yeah. Well, that's lame. Yeah. You know? So I kept saying no, but when my kid got to a certain age, I thought, Mike, she should know about what her dad has done. Right. You know, and what better way to have like a little mini movie about that thing, you Mm -hmm. know, that Van Halen thing. Right. So, and God, they crushed it. Like they tell the story, they tell the story way better than I had prior or I have since. Where is this on Netflix? No, it's just on YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah. It's called Mitch Malloy, Van Halen's Lost Boy. Okay. That's the the title of it. And it's uh, like 12, 13 minutes. Um, His initial thing was that they they were going to make it three minutes, but they couldn't. Like, it just kept getting longer and longer. And I think they did an outstanding job. I think it's really um, entertaining and edited really well. And they make me look fairly intelligent, which is amazing. I don't know how they did that. Cool. Well, we'll definitely link that through today's show notes yeah, please on do. the website yeah. and, and uh, people can, I guess, hear the story yeah. through that. Yeah. It's beautifully done. Really? Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Where is the best place that people can get in touch with you online? Is it Twitter or website or? Well, I, like I always say to my wife, honey, hang on a second. And she's like, what do you mean? Hang on a second. And I'm like, well, I'm accessible to the world. Yeah. So just hang on. I'll be right back. <laughs> Cause I'm always, uh, answering some question to somebody either on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or via email through my website. My website is mitchmalloy.com and the email that goes directly to management and then to me is I want to rock okay. at, at mitchmalloy.com. All right. So I'm just completely accessible and I, I value uh, the fans and, and I think they deserve to be responded to. Absolutely. And so I do. Cool. Yeah. Right now we're going to get into some music. My therapy. Is that a good choice to play? Yeah. Here? yeah let's do it. Here. it. And big thanks to Mitch for joining us on the podcast and for putting on a great set here at M3 2017. Thanks, Appreciate it. Cool.
Hey guys, it's Mark Striegel sitting in my car at the M3 festival out in the parking lot. I just needed a little silence and this was about the only place I could get it. So, um, yeah. Wow. Mitch Malloy, thanks so much for joining us. And stay tuned because this episode is far from over. Our M3 coverage is far from over. What we have for you right now is a band called Station. These are younger guys. I was very excited to see them. I was very excited to see the crowd response for them. Uh, this is a band that if you love this you know, genre of music like I do, you need to check them out. Station. We'll have links up for them in the show notes and also some pictures that I took during their set at M3. They basically opened the, the event. Lita Ford played a private show for the, the VIP ticket holders. And then Station came out after that. And they were kind of the official opener of the whole weekend, if you will. And they're great guys. And uh, this is my interview with the band Station. And we'll also hear some of their new music. And we'll end today's episode with Warrant, a brand new interview with Warrant, we have a brand new record out, so stay tuned for that. The record is good, guys. I've heard it. Great, great stuff. And then, on the very next episode of Talking Metal 668, we're going to have more interviews coming your way. All right? So stay tuned for that. And here we go. My interview with Station on Talking Metal, episode 667. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we are here backstage at the M3 Festival and Lita Ford opened it up, and then right after Lita, this great band Station came on. I've never seen you guys before, and um, great set. How does it feel to be playing M3? It feels awesome. This was something that, uh, you know, it's a huge milestone for us uh, in the band, you know, because we uh, had been playing the M3 pre-party uh, for a couple okay. of years, and uh that's kind of how we, you know, the people of Baltimore are, are just the best people in the world. You know, Maryland is, is an awesome place. And uh, they rallied together and a lot of people started demanding us for actual M3. And That's so to, to both uh, play the show and have it be an amazing show and to have it be because of uh, our our loyal fans in the area, That's it's just beyond words. It's awesome. Now, you guys are from the New York City area, but... You know, the one thing, and I know this isn't a real good gauge of the Maryland area because so many people travel from out of town for this festival. Having said that, I was, you know, and no disrespect by this, but I was blown away by how many people were at your your autograph session <laughs> after the set. I mean, there were, there were tons of people there. They kept lining up, hugs, autographs. I mean... So that that's got to make you feel good. You know? it, it's awesome. I think what what was really what was really cool um, and surprising, I guess, for me was uh, when we when we got out on stage. You know, I saw uh, a bunch of people wearing our T-shirts yeah. that I definitely did not recognize, and uh, I even saw even more people mouthing the words to our songs. Who again, whom I definitely did not recognize. Right. So it was really cool, like from that level to just be like, wow, there's there's actually people out there that are really listening to what we're doing and. And, um, you know, afterwards, just hanging out at the uh, merch table, you know, I, I mean, we're, we're genuinely friendly guys, you know, right. to, to begin with. But, you know, I, to have these people come up and give us hugs and everything like that, it's it's, it's really humbling, to be honest. It's, it makes us feel great, but it also makes us. Yeah, he's yeah. lying. He's lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, but but we are. We're, we're, we're extremely humbled by it. I think it's, it's really cool to have people uh, who care about 
what we're doing. And to, again, like, you know, people who have seen us only for the first time at this festival come up and say, you guys were amazing. You know, it cool. does feel really good. So right now, what can we play for the Talking Metal listeners that would uh, be a good representation of the band? What song can we play by station? Um, I guess uh, you probably let's start with one and only. So we just we released a music video for it. It was our last music video that we did. Um, check out one and only. Here it is. It features uh, Jennifer Gottlieb from uh, that metal show. Oh, nice. I know. I know Jen. What you just heard was one and only by the band Station. I'm with them here backstage at the M3 Festival. How did you hook up with Jen from that metal show? So um, we were uh, planning out uh, our next round of music videos because we wanted to, uh, you know, we have, we have a ton of songs on our record. You know, we have 15 songs. And we felt the need, like, you know, people just we wanted to, to keep pumping out as much content as we could. And one and only seemed like, you know, the, the next big step for us. So what we ended up doing 
was we came up with this really awesome concept and we were like, you know who would actually be great in this and look awesome in this was Jen from that metal show. Right. Like, so we ended up uh, just honestly like kind of cold reaching out to her sure. and uh, she was like, yeah, this, this sounds great. Like she loved the idea. She loved the concept and she was great. She's a phenomenal actress and she's, she's awesome. It's funny. It's just kind of a small world because I was uh, a producer on the last season of that metal show and I was her, I produced all her online content. Oh, cool. And directed awesome. it with her. So I'm, I actually, I've been spoken with her a while, but I know her quite well. So Cool. Let's go around. Let's talk about the history. And, and uh, it's, Pat, it's great talking to you, but let's include some of the other guys. Let's talk about the history of this band. For, for somebody who maybe doesn't know about Station, can you give me the, the two-minute version of uh, the history of Station? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, here, I'll start it off. Okay, cool. Because uh, he, he's, uh, he's um, actually, you know, like uh, Zach um, is like a touring member, and I'm the new bassist. Like, okay. I've been in the band okay. for a year and a half, so, so Pat, Pat is the guy. Like, yeah, the, the history of the band. So, <laughs> yeah. Pull up a chair, kids. Um, so uh, I'll keep it sort of short. You know, the um, Chris and I met uh, back in late 2010. Chris uh, is the guitar Chris player. Chris is the guitar player, yeah. And uh, basically, it's it's kind of was like this perfect circle. I had just left a band that I was playing in and singing for, and uh, Chris had done the same thing. He was playing guitar in another band. And so we both started to seek out other projects. Okay. And then Chris uh, ended up, seeing uh you know a, a performance of mine in the last band and reached out and sent me an email and was like hey you know you sound awesome like you know like let's get together and so we got together we started jamming out and we it was like you know me on one end of the bridge and him on the other end of the bridge you know right. like running towards each other in the right. wind you know it's very it's because it's funny uh new york city is just it's not uh the hodgepodge for hard rock and no, heavy metal and, and that it used never, to be it's, well you know you say it used to be an in sure there was a, a time that it, that it was there was more hard rock and metal in new york but i've always said that it's as opposed to L.A., it's been much more of like a punk town, yeah. you know? Yeah. Even back, I mean, I'm an older guy. I'm 47 years old. And even back when I was uh, younger, it, I always used to say, this just is not a metal town. And then I go to L.A. and it would be, wow, this is this is CBG's thriving. Television. Yeah, great and, stuff know, like and no, great, no disrespect great. towards it. But it was punk. never truly, at least Manhattan, the outer boroughs, maybe a little bit more yeah. so. But Yeah, well, that's that's true. I mean, but so so anyways, to get maybe on, on track. Uh, right. So he and I, uh, you know, basically formed the band. We started writing a bunch of music together. We started performing. Um, we found the other guys in the band, and uh, we've gone through a couple of lineup changes over the years. Okay. We've done a lot of uh, really cool stuff. We recorded an EP with Michael Wagner. Nice. We recorded our full-length album uh, uh, a couple years ago. And uh, Emmy uh, is the newest addition to the band uh, as our bass uh, player, and. Uh, He's just, he's the man. Yeah. I mean, he's an incredible player and he's an incredible singer as well. I think what, one, one of the cool things about when Emmy joined the band is we went from just having a bass player to having like a real like musician and, and a vocalist and you know, somebody who's a really incredible range too. I'm just, I'm really kissing your ass right now, <laughs> but... Uh, do you ever uh, do lead um, vocals in a band, Em? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a full-blown musician, so right. yeah, I've been... Uh, I used to have my... I'm, I'm originally from Argentina. I used okay. to have my, my own band called Shooter. 
Uh, yeah, so blah, 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 blah. I right. mean, yeah, I led a bunch of uh, projects, but um, I'm, um, I'm a guitarist, bassist, uh, pianist. And when, uh, thanks to Zach, actually, <laughs> uh, he got me uh, this. Uh, it was a, a coincidence, whatever. The thing is that Zach was in the right moment at the right place. Uh right. And I didn't even know him. So for somebody I know, blah, blah, blah. So I got this phone call. So he, Zach calls me. He's like, hey, so you know this band station, blah, blah, blah. They're looking for a bassist. There's a lot of background vocals. I'm like, uh, and they tell me what station is all about. Uh, he um, he tells me about the website. I right. watch it. And I'm like, okay, I'm very interested in this. Yes. So it's like, uh, that's why. Um, so, well, the, the, the first thing, you know, when, when, they they were interested in like trying me. I I send a video, and they see me singing and playing guitar and everything, and they are like, "Are you sure you want to be the bassist?" And, I, <laughs> and I'm and I'm like, "No, no, no. Look, I I know um, I I would have said the same if it was my band, but no, I'm a musician. Like uh, I, I'm also an engineer mixer, so uh, right. I'm I'm a session uh, musician, so I'm like no no no. I really like what I heard. I like what you guys are doing and where you're headed. So yes, I would love to play bass and background vocals for your band, and and I'm loving it. Like there's no like a there's not a sec because they are so. Uh, now I'm gonna kiss your ass. Right. It's, uh, I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, it's like they, they're so great that it's like. Uh, you know, even like this is one thing that I said to them like uh, when when I joined the band. It's like it was like so like it was meant to be because if they had called me to be their guitarist, it's like me as a guitarist. I'm like I want to do something different, so I, I I would have probably turned it down. Right. And as a singer, the same thing. I'm like uh, my voice um, is as much as I could sing the songs uh, perfectly or whatever. It's like. Yeah, my vo- I-, I wouldn't feel comfortable singing those songs because those songs were written for Pad, and I'm like, dude, that that's that's per. I would love to play bass for this band. I wouldn't play guitar or sing for this band. So it was like it was just meant to be, you know. Cool. So. When did you come to the states? Um, uh, let's say uh, 2010. Okay, cool. So well, and that's my whole story. So yes, <laughs> <laughs> the life story of Emmy. <laughs> Cool. Well, let's talk about what's happening. You put out an EP in 2012. Yep. There was a full length in 2015. When can we expect to hear some more new music? So you're definitely going to hear some brand new songs in the next coming weeks. Okay. We have uh, cool. some cool plans for some new music. We've been uh, in the studio and we've been recording and we have some really cool stuff that I really think people are going to dig. Uh, the full length album is uh, sort of to be determined. We we uh, have uh, we're we're kind of in the background a little bit with that. We have a bunch of ideas that we want to do. We have okay. a couple of different things we want to try. We really want to make it something super cool that our fans are going to really dig. And it but like it's it's going to happen. Like it's going to happen this year, and it's going to be uh, worth the wait. I promise. <laughs> but, but you have some songs. It sounds like ready to go. Yeah, and you're going to uh-huh. drop those too, like on YouTube or, or uh, just well, on iTunes. Uh, well, no, we're going to. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a full thing. Okay. It's going okay. to be uh, you'll. 
you'll you'll hear from it. You'll okay. definitely hear about it. We're gonna... <clears throat> and where will we hear from it? Like, where's the best place people can get in you touch with you guys online? Yeah, definitely check out our website, stationband.com. The new music will be there for sure. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash stationnyc. And uh, we'll be posting links and videos. It will be available on iTunes and Amazon uh, and Spotify for anyone with streaming services. So um, just keep keep in touch for the next couple of weeks because cool. I promise you, you're going to have concrete dates Great. and drops in the next couple of weeks. And we will have all those links that Pat mentioned up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. You go to TalkingMetal.com, go to the Talking Metal section, look for this podcast, and uh, we'll have pictures up of them playing at M3. We'll have links to all their their social media and websites. And we we got to get a word in from Zach, the quiet one over here. Zach, main influences as a guitar player? Main influences as a guitar player, um, so many. I'm a huge Jimi Hendrix fan. I actually have a half sleeve of Jimi Hendrix portrait on my arm. Uh, He's basically everything to me. Um, But growing up, listening to Dimebag Daryl, listening to John Sykes and Paul Gilbert, just loving this music and uh, really being so happy to be a part of a, a new generation of... Uh, of bringing that music kind of back into the forefront. Right. So really, really stoked to be um, putting a new spin on it and and rocking out pretty hard. Absolutely. And that's an interesting uh, thing that you mentioned there because you guys as as younger, you're definitely a lot younger than me, uh, feel that that this music is having a resurgence? Do you feel something's happening to hard rock and and traditional sounding heavy metal? I mean, for me, I I can speak just for a minute. Um... I just think the music is so good and it's timeless right. and it's 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 heavy but the songs are are catchy and they're well done and everyone can play their instrument and sing their asses off. Right. And I just think that people are missing that. There's been such a long standing period of time where, you know, maybe it, it's it's been less of that right. musicianship and and rock and roll and there's there's a want for it. I think I think people who grew up in that era want it, and the people who are growing up now want to hear real rock and roll and real musicianship. Cool, Pat. What do you think? Uh, I think I think uh, you know in the past in the past like ten years or so probably no uh, yeah, a little probably a little bit longer, but you know there used to be rock. And then there was indie and metal. And I feel like in the past couple of years, it's it's really grown apart. And the rock in the middle, like just pop, you know, good catchy melodies and hooks and everything like that, it's either sort of steered to the heavier kind of metal or it's steered to more of the indie type of like rock and roll. And there's a huge gap. And I think that people are really missing that gap. Like one of the cool things about Station is, uh, you know, because we're a much younger band, we're kind of being thrust into a younger audience and everybody who hears us seem to like us. And that's really cool because, uh, you know, people who have been a fan of this music for a long time, I can understand why you really dig the band because we're playing that style of music. But if you're a younger person and you're listening to Station, kind of not growing up in that world necessarily a lot of people have come up to us afterwards and been like oh my gosh it's so amazing like you guys are are really like it's something i've never really heard before and it's so funny to me because it's like you know not uh, we're certainly a a new generation but it's certainly not you know any kind of new style of music for you know any sense of the word but it's cool to hear people view it as so new and fresh right and 
me, just means a lot to us. It means a lot. It feels like we're doing something right. You know? Of your fan base, how much of it are like 20-somethings and younger, and how much of it are... 30 and up. I mean, we, it's a it's it's a huge range. I would yeah. say maybe uh, honestly half. Yeah, you know, good. half or more uh, are are in that younger range. You know, it's cool. It's very very cool. We do have a lot of uh, older fans as well, but we're nobody really. Our demographic is is really widespread. As as weird as that sounds, like we do have you know uh, run the gamut of all different types of people who really like the music, and it's really cool. Awesome. Let's close things out here with another track, if you don't mind. Sure, uh, absolutely. What, what can we spin for the Talking Metal listeners? We're going we're gonna to spin everything. This is the first song. We recorded it uh, a couple of times. It's just a, we've played it pretty much at every single show that we've ever played, including our very first one. It's just okay. one of our favorite tracks, so everything for sure. Cool. We'll check it out now on Talking Metal. I assume it's up on iTunes. People can go yep. purchase yep. this. Absolutely. Show Station some support. Go buy the music legally on iTunes. And you guys on Spotify and stuff like yep, that? Too? We are on cool. Spotify, right. on Amazon, uh, everywhere. Awesome. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. The best of luck. And we're from the same area up in North Jersey, New York City, so please keep me posted on local Dates. Absolutely, man. I will be there. Cool. First time I saw you down in the village, I saw a face that I will never forget. Knew you were leaving, I can't believe it. I didn't want something I would always regret. As we grew closer, it all got clearer. We couldn't stop something we both would end. Late night encounters, all those certain hours. Made it impossible. 
How are you enjoying the weekend so far, Doug? I, I think it's great, right? I haven't done this uh, on this side of the uh, a fence, I would call it, uh, for a while because usually when I'm at these festivals, I'm working for Ace, and uh, it's it's always you know 100% work pretty much for me, and it's a different vibe, not not working in that capacity, enjoying uh, all the different bands, talking to the different musicians, even in the interviews that you. You know that, uh, like, basically, what if you guys have not. If the if you listeners haven't figured this out yet, what we're doing is we're splitting up the interviews, and sometimes Mark will do one, sometimes Emily will do one, sometimes I'll do one, sometimes Mark and Ian will do one, and sometimes Mark and I will do one, and uh, it's a fun thing. But in addition to that, a lot of times we're all hanging around at the same time, so it's been a really cool thing listening to the interviews, talking to the different musicians, and uh, it brings back the 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 old day memories that we right. had when we first started talking metal, and it's really really cool and uh, I'm really enjoying being down here I'm cool. so well, glad that I came but we are glad that you're here and I tell you what let's let's uh, hit another interview in this episode and then we'll wrap this episode and uh, I have a feeling we'll come back with more m3 coverage on our very next episode of talking metal correct so this is an interview that Ian McCurdy and I recorded earlier today with the members of warrant two members Robert and Jerry Robert Mason Jerry Dixon and uh, yeah, we'll check that out. Before we do, we're going to get into a little new warrant. This is Devil Dancer. It's off the new warrant record, which is on the way. They're going to tell us all about it. And then we'll end this episode with some classic warrant. What should we go with, John? I think we should go with Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, Can't yeah. go wrong with that. Real, real quick, before we, we get into the tune, um, I really uh, loved Warrant from back in the day. I saw them open up for Paul Stanley on his solo tour in 1989 in two different places, Boston Mass at the Channel and a place called the Metropole in what's called the Strip District of Pittsburgh. Now, Strip not meaning strip clubs. It uh, means something else. I'm not right. sure what it is. But the funniest thing is that I am pretty sure that somebody associated with the warrant crew broke the sink off of the wall in the bathroom. I think there was a girl on it or something. It was pretty funny. But back in those days, that's, I mean, that's one of the things that you'll hear in the interview. They, they, they talked about some of the, you know, the history of the band and some of the times that they had. And, you know, there, there were ups and downs. And um, But uh, bottom line, Warrant has always been one of my absolute yeah. favorite, favorite bands. And they're, they're stronger than ever right now. And this is evidence of that. This is brand new Warrant here on Talking Metal, followed by an interview that Ian McCurdy and Mark Striegel, myself, conducted with Jerry and Robert. And again, we'll end with some classic Warren. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay tuned for more coverage from M3 2017.
Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and I'm here with Ian McCurdy. Hello, Talking Metal fans. We're here at M3 Festival. Yes, and we are talking with Robert Mason of Warren. Robert, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking me to be here. Now, right out, right out of the bat, we're hearing a lot of new Warrant stuff start to surface. Devil Dancer, I love that song. Great tune. Oh, thank you. Uh, the new record is on the way. Louder, harder, faster. May 12th, it will be released uh, less than two weeks away. Let's talk about it. The album is produced by Jeff Pilson, right? Correct. You are correct so far. And what was These that? don't sound like questions, because you have all the answers. <laughs> what was it like working with Jeff? Uh, Jeff and I knew each other from uh, back when I was in Lynch Mob. I think I met Jeff in 91, so we had a mutual uh, admiration society thing going on, you know, little musician bromance thing, but never really worked together, so right. we welcomed the opportunity. Uh, having done the last record uh, with Keith Olsen, who's one of my favorite producers I've worked with a whole bunch, the Rockaholic record, we just wanted to do something different. Uh, Jeff's got a cool little studio, great vintage gear. I'm a vintage gear freak. Cool. So we Did you record the tape? Uh, no, but no. we used... Tons and tons of like awesome old analog outboard gear. Cool. Microphones, guitars, amps, you know, preamps, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's got that it for us it felt like super cool and vibey. Um, did I answer the question yet? Yeah. Well okay. what what is Jeff like as a producer? Is he somebody he, he's you, a very musical guy, he's a very smart guy. He's uh is he you know hands on with the songwriting or no, do you come in with finished songs? If he's got an idea, he'll throw it at me, but other right. than that it's pretty much like and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of the whole creative process. The best idea wins. So, you know, whether it's Dixon next to me. Hey, Jerry. Hi, I'm sorry I'm late. Yeah, Jerry. You're, not late. You're just on time. I was just talking about you. Jerry Dixon is joining us also uh, in the interview here. So. so, okay, the, you know, the production thing is its own animal. Every time you work with a different guy, it's a different scenario. Right. It was a very positive one for me. We get along musically. Uh, you know, we... It's, I think it's the idea of the producers to have the right overall vision, you know, that meets what the band's expectations are and to have the striped shirt and the whistle and play referee when you have to. Yeah. So. Yeah. Take us back from the difference you had on the approach of Rockaholic to your approach for Larder, Harder, Faster. Uh, I kind of just wanted to make a little bit more vintage sound and more like organic sound and a little less processed, cool record. Initially, I think years ago, we sat there and I'm like, well, I love the cool stuff about Cherry Pie. I love the cool stuff about Doggy Dog because Doggy Dog's like darker. And that's the record that I was thankful enough when I was in Lynch Mob, we supported Warrant. So right. I got to hear those songs back then. I'm like, wow, that was such an underappreciated record in my, in my humble opinion. And uh, wanted to have something that had like, big songs like, like Cherry Pie record and, and cool vibey stuff like Dog. Right. And who knows what we really ended up with, yeah. but we think it's cool. Yeah, no, it's Jerry. I do think we rehearsed two times this, this record. Last time we only rehearsed once. That's, that's <laughs> actually a record right there. Yeah, yeah. So we got that going for us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so uh, it's coming out May 12th, the new album. Yes. And um, on Frontiers Records. And uh, look forward to hearing it. Uh, we heard a few songs, of course. Frontiers has kind of put a couple of those uh, album artwork singles out so to speak yes. you know and uh yeah we shot a video for louder harder faster in uh in arizona a couple of weeks ago so it's full of hot rods and motorcycles and burnouts and you know yeah. loud rock and roll 
And the stuff we've heard so far, like I mentioned, I love the track Devil Dancer. Great, great stuff. Oh, cool. Very, uh, very excited the demo for this on the record. boat. Yeah, yeah. That was written on the, on the boat. On the Rock Cruise. The Rock Cruise. Rock Cruise? Yeah. yeah, you wrote that on the boat. Cool. It came to us as, yeah, that the, the music of it. And then we just sat down. I think I flew, well, I came up here. Yeah. Like, what goes with this? What rhymes with dancer? <laughs> no. Devil. No. <laughs> so, so we are here at the M3 Festival, which has really become a historic festival for a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of emotions that the fans have at this at this festival. It, it's it's more than just a rock concert. It's it's a gathering of people who love what you guys do, what all these other bands do. What does the M3 Festival mean to it's you like guys? It's like all those festivals. It's become a social event. It yeah. was, it's well put together. It's pretty smart. We get treated well. The audience gets treated to a bunch of bands that they otherwise wouldn't see in the same setting on the same couple of days. And it works. I mean, there are a few of these around the country, and this one works pretty damn well. Cool. That's why we come back. Right on. And they invite us. Can you tell us a little bit about your partnership with the Professional Bull Riders? and organization and how that came to light ladies and gentlemen pbr fan jerry dixon you didn't tell him we're going country no (laughs) i didn't i didn't tell him a lot of people ask us like are you guys going country no we're not (laughs) no pbr um it was actually the ceo saw us last year in uh, colorado just a small outdoor stage and he uh booked us for their finals and we bumped into him backstage and just really hit it off. You know, he's a super big rock fan. Um, and I had gone to the PBR about four years ago, and I was just in shock that all they played was rock music. It was like the writers and then rock. The writers, ACDC, and I was just in the, I was in the crowd. I didn't know anybody there, you know, and I was just shitting my pants going, this, is, this would be so good for the band. And, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for, yeah. And, uh, yeah, all of a sudden... Yeah, and they, they, have a, they have all these venues, kind of like their PBR rock bars. And uh, so we, they wanted like a, you know, a party anthem for PBR. So we were, we're good at that. <laughs> so we said, we can do that. Party that's party. not, yeah, that's not a stretch. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it just turned into a really cool relationship. So we do a lot of their venues. They just tried a new thing that was on CBS where we actually played inside the arena during the show wow cool. during the writers being announced so we were integrated into the show so we're hoping that that works out and uh, we can you know continue to do that so it's just a full-blown um you know integrating music into something that you really wouldn't expect it to be at you know yeah but there's pyro and there's and you know, the, big well, the pa when they come the out those the guys talking are... metal listeners can go and look on youtube and see the video that right. was that was produced the yep i'll just i think sit, i'll just stay I here and I'll get fucked up here. or i mean i think i'll stay here and drink yeah they couldn't say fucked up on the radio so that yeah. merle merle had to write drink <laughs> I, I retitled it for him <laughs> hey jerry question for you you have obviously long career with warrant going going way way back what are some of your career highlights with this band uh the good ones i don't remember to <laughs> <laughs> be honest you know what I, I and i'm not i know everybody says this but i think right now is just we're all in a good place you know the the drama the pain the suffering the highs the lows all the good times too you know right. getting platinum records that was all great but that was 
honestly, that was such a short period of time. Right. It was like 1989 to like 1993. Three, right. It was about four years, you right. know, and, and then it all just, you know, imploded on us. And from then after that was a fucking nightmare. It was a, it was a beating. It was the dark years. It was the drunk years. It was the being, you know, left on tour. It was just, it was not, it was very dysfunctional. And uh, I think now with Robert, you know, this is our second record. People are realizing that, oh, you know, this band kind of reinvented itself. And, uh, you know, we're not just resting on the past. Which I, I hate to sound cliche. May I interrupt? Yeah, Everybody falls down. It's how you get up. Right. And it's, you know, everybody goes through a bunch of bullshit in their lives. It's how you come through it. So, and I, I was the right guy at the right time. And it was a really organic fit. And I got, and it, you know, I saw four guys trying to fire on five cylinders and only firing on four, to be honest with you. And those four guys, the classic. Who are my lineup. friends, by the way. Yeah, so that's yeah. what, you know. Yeah. So do you feel that because of the dark times is why you wrote such darker music with Belly to Belly and Ultraphobic and those albums? Or was that the landscape of the music at the time? No, that, mixture you know, what, like when people do ask me about Lane, I always say, just listen to those records. You know, that those records tell the story where we were at, you know, yeah. they're very dark. They're very, you know, feels good feeling this bad. It's just about, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much all. And, and I didn't really realize that till recently listening to those. I'm like, wow, this, the music just told the whole thing. You know, you don't even have to ask, just listen to it. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was really, you know, it's, it's difficult to go from up here and then, you know, our manager passed away. Just everything was wiped out. Houses, car, everything gone. Right. Wives, fuck the whole. I mean, that was a good thing, but um, <laughs> everything else kind of sucked. The yeah. house and shit. But um, yeah, so I, I guess back to the question right now, it's it's. Music, you have to be in the right frame of mind. I don't care what they say, you know, the, the sex, drugs. Or when, when you're all fucked up, you can't do this. You can't do a proper show. You know, you're just a, you're a fucking tub of shit up there. You're a wreck. It may be fun in a small club, but to do it professionally, you, you know, you got to be in the right space. And uh, now we don't have to worry about, you know, are we playing tonight? Right. <laughs> Is everybody here? Is everybody sober? So uh, that really makes it fun for me just to be able to, go play music and not have to worry about all that cool well i know you got some other interviews happening today you got a set and uh, we can't wait to see you guys perform here at m3 it's gonna be it's gonna be great and thank you for your time we really appreciate it thank you that. we're glad to be back it's fun Just follow the record, let's go. 
get the story straight And you and Uncle Tom were fishing It was getting pretty late Out on the side was them above the ocean well, Where they say you got no bottoms And they take you down a hill 